And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me on the phone today is the pastor of Parish Presbyterian Church in Franklin, Tennessee, Dr. George Grant. Dr. Grant, it's great to have you with us. It is wonderful to be with you as well. (laughs) Dr. Grant, besides being a pastor, uh, it seems that you wear a lot of hats. I (laughs) understand you're the founder of Kings Meadow Study Center, um, the Franklin Classical School, the Chalmers Fund, and um, what seems to be a new one to me is the New College Franklin. And uh, you seem to be very busy. Well, there are a lot of things to do, obviously, and the Lord has blessed me with a lot of wonderful people around to take some of my crazy ideas and uh, help implement them. Uh, all of these are small ministries uh, by uh, on purpose, and all of them are uh, aimed at fitting particular needs in our community and what we see as needs around the world. Mm-hmm. But that's, uh, you know, that's part of what the gospel does. The gospel is an engine of productivity. It calls us to real work in the midst of this poor fallen world to, uh, to bring the hope of the gospel to tangible expression everywhere that we are. You know, um, you've almost distilled the whole discussion today in those few words. I appreciate that. Uh, we've been talking about Christian men their roles. So far, we've talked about a couple weeks ago, Christian men in the home. Uh, Last week, it was Christian men in the church. Today, we're exploring a Christian man's role in relation to this world. And um, it's hard to know where to start, but let me ask you this. Um, Men typically have some kind of an occupation, uh, either a laborer, businessman, programmers, pastors, teachers, some work in government, the whole gamut. But there is a common thread. These men are out in the world doing real work. And I'm just wondering if you could talk to us a little bit today about our occupations as Christian men. Well, both our occupations and our our avocations, the things that we're called to do in order to support our families and ourselves, and the things that we're called to do uh, because of our peculiar giftings. And sometimes those are are the same, and sometimes they're slightly different. Uh, but we all have both um, both vocations and avocations, occupations, as well as uh, hobbies and callings. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the The reality is is that these are at the heart of our created purpose. Uh, God's first word to man was very definitive: uh, "Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it." Uh, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, have um, dominion mm-hmm. uh, over every living creature that moves on the ground. That that word dominion is oftentimes a little scary to folks because it sounds like going there and uh, exercise an iron fist. But it's a it's a biblical term that that literally means uh, to bring forth God's purpose and fruitfulness, mm. and to show forth His purposes. It's, it's a word that really means exercise stewardship. So our, our work is one of the primary means by which we exercise stewardship. Um, this, is, um, this is not only mentioned in the Scriptures, it's, 
it's amplified again and again uh, when we uh, see everything from the Proverbs that uh, it says, uh, poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent uh, makes fat. Um, fat there meaning uh, rich or full. The, uh, the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made whole or healthy, or again, King James calls it uh, fat. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible is replete with teaching on work, but its, but it's basic thrust, I think, can be reduced to a, a few things. Uh, the first is that um, the Bible makes a plain that all honorable work is actually holy. Uh, this is really what the, um, the Koheleth, or the preacher in Ecclesiastes, is getting at when he's, when he's exploring everything that there is that man can do, and he finds folly and emptiness in virtually all of it. Um, the, the, the gaining of great wealth and the exercise of great pleasure and uh, all of the rest. But uh, one thing that, that he realizes right at the very beginning is that uh, a man can do nothing better than to find satisfaction in his work. Uh, The Lord Jesus was a carpenter, Mm. and he got his living with great labor. Um, And so uh, the great Hugh Latimer, the Puritan, said, Therefore let no man disdain to follow him in a common calling and occupation. We tend to think about work as a kind of a four-letter word, <laughs> but uh, the fourth commandment, uh, though commonly and, and correctly understood as a prohibition against working on the Lord's Day, has another often neglected injunction, which is six days you shall labor right. and do all your work. <laughs> yeah. We're almost up against a break, but let me ask you this quickly. You mentioned avocation and uh, quickly mentioned calling. Um, it seems that it's it's nice if our if our work can match our calling, but do they always match? They really don't. They mm-hmm. don't always match. And part of that is because of the nature of our economy. Um, and sometimes it's God's providential purpose. That, uh, that our, our callings are something that we grow into. We have to work hard to get to the place where we really can do what we're called to do. And that sometimes means tent making, as uh, we see with the Apostle Paul, mm-hmm. uh, where he, his calling was to preach the gospel. But, but his occupation was literally making tents yeah. with... Um, with Aquila and Priscilla. Yeah. So some, sometimes it's necessary for, for us, and sometimes it's actually beneficial. Uh, I have, in the past, planted churches. And while planting those churches, I have I've chosen not to take a salary uh, for a season so that the, the, the church could have strong roots. Uh, there have even been times where I've been the senior pastor, and drew a smaller salary than mm-hmm. um, one of my assistants in order for us to be able to accomplish something, because I have the capacity, with writing or whatever, 
to, to make a little extra money, mm-hmm. it wasn't necessary. And in, in those cases, it's really expedient. People who start businesses, sometimes the, the business owner will actually short themselves in uh, the area of, of, of profits in order to get the business up and going. Mm. And so sometimes we, we've got these, these areas of calling, and that's not our primary place of remuneration. Mm. Yes, well, um, hold that thought. I see we're up against the break. Today we're talking about uh, Christian men, their various roles. Um, this is a follow-up. We had talked about Christian men in the home, Christian men in the church, and now we're talking about Christian men out in the world. And on the phone with me today is Dr. George Grant. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone with me is Dr. George Grant. Today we're talking about Christian men in the world. And uh, prior to our break, uh, Dr. Grant, you were explaining um, our calling versus sometimes our occupation. It's nice if they can match. Uh, Oftentimes they don't. Let me ask you this. Um, If you were to sit back kind of at a high level perhaps and someone would say, Dr. Grant, help me understand, uh, what does a Christian man in this world really look like? How does it, how does that get fleshed out? What does he look like? How would you answer that? Well, my mind probably would immediately, as it is right now, run to Scripture. There are a lot of summary statements in Scripture that tell us what a Christian man looks like in the world. Uh, Paul, in concluding 1 Corinthians says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. Um, one of my life verses is uh, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, uh, where the prophet summarizes his whole covenant calling for the people of Israel 
by simply saying, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Mm -hmm. The essence of that essentially means that as Christian men, first and foremost, we need to be men of God. Meaning, we're not perfect, and we know it. And so we're quick to repent, and we're hungry for holiness. We're, we're desirous of showing the virtues of God as we, as we walk in the Spirit. It means that we're uh, constantly attentive to the gospel and the application of the gospel to our own hearts, our own families, our own callings. And uh, we, we seek to do that which is right and good and true in everything. Uh, but that's not a, you know, it's, it's, it's not solely an introspective process. It really is a process of, of diligence. And as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, it's a process of, of, uh, of diligence with courage. Uh, it, is, uh, it is not an easy thing. Mm. Walking out the gospel never has been. Uh, we, we live in a particularly privileged culture where the, the gospel is less persecuted and less uh, prosecuted than at almost you know, any other place and any other time in history. Um, we we know that there are prejudices against Christians and so forth, but they're they're really relatively minor. Uh, nevertheless, it still requires great courage for the student to speak up in the classroom, uh, for the, the the person in the in the workplace to to adhere to what is absolutely right rather than what is you know oftentimes normative in, in the mm-hmm. workplace, but wrong. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the Christian man in the workplace is someone who literally is a servant leader, mm-hmm. following Christ and working out our callings with that diligence and courage, with that virtue and humility that, that the gospel calls for. Mm-hmm. Um, that that then ultimately means that we ought to be engines of productivity. We ought to be quick to serve, uh, quick to think of others, uh, quick to bring our gifts to bear, uh, quick to uh, realize that sometimes callings are manifested in odd ways. It's when we see that something needs to be done, and we see it so clearly and we begin to realize others don't necessarily see that. Um, I, I often tell my students, if you see something, you're probably called to it. Mm. Oh, that's a, that's a great point. <laughs> and going back, you mentioned something that just resonated um, regarding the Christian man, that he needs to be quick to repent. Um, in other words, we're not perfect. That, and that's so, so important. A lot of times people think that the pinnacle of the Christian life is, uh, is being righteous. Yeah. But the, the reality is, is that all of us are sinners, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we all need reliance on Christ. And the, the pinnacle of gospel living is really, as uh, the great Puritan Thomas Manton said, quick repenting. <laughs> I like that. Now, um, this time of year, uh, especially this year, 
we're hearing a lot about politics and all of that. Um, what about a Christian's involvement in the sphere of government and politics? Um, what's um, what about that? Is that okay? Well, certainly we see in the scriptures some of the great heroes of the faith are called either into the civic arena or they're called to address the civic arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not possible to think about uh, any of the prophets without realizing that they were called to be heralds of God in the midst of the civic realm. Even the Lord Jesus spoke very clearly to the civic realm. You know, you remember his strong words, go tell that fox. Uh, <laughs> that's not the kind of thing that, that you would expect even most pastors to have the courage to say these days. Yeah. But the Lord Jesus did not shy away from it. Uh, thank goodness the Lord calls men like Nehemiah uh, into the civic realm uh, to demonstrate diligence. So it's a high and holy calling, oftentimes ugly and and sturdy, as men like Daniel uh, quickly realized, mm-hmm. uh, full of betrayal and difficulty and adversity, but it's, uh, it's an area of legitimate calling. And, and in fact, you know, the, the Bible makes it plain that, you know, this is our Father's world. Mm. The public square does not belong to the media. It doesn't belong to uh, the purveyors of political correctness. This is our Father's world. Abraham Kuyper said, there's not one square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not say, mine. Amen. Now that, that reminds me of something, and that is, um, there's hope in this. There's a certain um, optimism, even though we're, we're dealing with uh, dirty things in this world, if you can say it that way. Um, there seems to be real hope as our focus is on Christ and his kingdom. Absolutely. Um, we, we need to be able to say over and over again, Jesus is Lord. Mm. And one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this is not some sort of, um, you know, a surreal, uh, existential sort of, of uh, eschatology. It's, it's a, a real one that, that um, clearly is intended to portray the future of our earth as uh, Christ's victory is made manifest over time one day. One day, every corrupted thing will be restored to him. Mm. And amazingly, he uses <laughs> foolish people <laughs> like us slowly over time to, to bring about incremental change in our hearts, our families, our homes, our communities, our gardens, our jobs, mm. and ultimately our world. Yeah. Now... Um what about education? You have been so involved in in that aspect with the Franklin Classical School and now New College Franklin. Um, help us um, to uh, gain a perspective here on education. You know, sometimes it it almost seems well, it's frustrating. It almost seems futile uh, as our taxes are extracted from us, especially up here in New York. Um, we're, we're forced to pay for a government school system 
that frankly is is not very friendly to the Christian faith. Um, how important is a Christian education, and and what uh, maybe challenge could you give to Christian men to to strive for with with respect to education? Well, I think one of the things that we have to realize right from the start is that uh, that the Lord intends for us to raise up the next generation in godliness, regardless of what the circumstances of our culture may be, regardless of where our tax dollars go, we have a responsibility to our children and our grandchildren. We have a responsibility to the covenant children of our local church. Uh, when, um, when, when we come alongside families in times like baptism, and we affirm that we will walk with them, it means that we're taking discipleship seriously. Discipleship is at the heart of covenantal succession. Uh, if we're going to have a faithful generation to follow us, then we've got to invest and train. And uh, the, you know, the mandate to train in godly ways, but also to, uh, to create, in a sense, life apprentices for godly work. Mm-hmm. is uh, runs all through the scriptures. You can't escape it. And so I believe that, uh, that, that Christian education, practical, godly, faithful, thoughtful Christian education is an absolute essential. And what we have to pay with our tax dollars is not an exemption from that godly calling. Mm-hmm. I'm not a I'm not primarily an educator. I'm a pastor. Mm-hmm. But as a pastor, it's my responsibility to provide the opportunity for the people that Jesus has called me to under-shepherd, uh, to, to have the opportunity to have the kind of education that, quite frankly, I never got. Yes, yes. It's, it's the sort of education that I can only yearn for. And as I read history books and run across the stories of the lives of men like our founding fathers, I yearn for that for my children <laughs> and for my grandchildren and, uh, and hopefully for my great-grandchildren. And uh, so I've, I've invested myself in education, not, not because I'm trying to... Uh, you know, make sure that my kids are smarter or have accelerated academics or any of the rest. I, I just believe that it's part of our calling to be faithful in these difficult times. Mm-hmm. People wring their hands and they say, what can I do? What can I do? Who do I vote for? What? Yes. You know, and my response is, do the next right thing. Oh, that's, that's, that, that's very helpful. Do the next right thing. Um, we're uh, getting close on time already. I'm just looking at the clock here. Today we're talking about Christian men in the world. On the phone with me is Dr. George Grant. Dr. Grant, in closing, could you tell us just a little bit more about uh, New College Franklin? Well, New College Franklin is a very small uh, liberal arts college that we started here in Franklin, Tennessee. It is, uh, if we follow the classical model, uh, meaning the, the model of education that our founding fathers were educated with, the kind of education that the reformers uh, attempted to create, Calvin's, um, 
you know, Geneva Academy mm-hmm. there in the city of Geneva to train up young people. It's, it's uh, intensive reading. It's very thoughtful. It's very practical. Um, it's, uh, it's not your normal sort of education these days, uh, but it is incredibly delightful, aimed at beauty, goodness, and truth. And uh, folks can find all uh, about it on our website. It's simply newcollegefranklin.org. Oh, that's beautiful. So uh, check that out, newcollegefranklin.org. And um, today we've been talking about the Christian man in the world. It's a follow-on discussion. We've been talking about this Christian man in the home, in the church, and now finally today in the world. And uh, if you need to contact Dr. Grant, uh, what is the best way for a listener to possibly contact you with a question? Well, I am all over the place on the web, from uh, Facebook and Google+, Plus, <laughs> all the way uh, to, uh, to LinkedIn, and I have multiple blogs. Um, you can uh, probably access all of them best Great. at kingsmeadow.com. Okay, there you go, kingsmeadow.com. Today on the phone with me has been Dr. George Grant, and uh, I'm Dan Elmendorf. This is a plain answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting, and this entire broadcast is available on our website as a podcast. Check it out at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Thank you, Dr. Grant, for joining us today. Thank you, Dan. God bless you. Thank you. And a reminder to please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 